Welcome to Alive and the Kicking, the 90s football podcast. The podcast that's more 90s than the DG Rashid Get Out of Prison campaign. Who needs making a murder, eh? I'm Ash Road and a belated Happy New Year to you all. And I hope you had a good Christmas break. Seems a bit of a, a blur now, doesn't it? All those weeks ago. But yes, this is our first pod of 2016. Did anyone get any 90s football related presents? Feel free to uh, share on Twitter of those because we'd love to see them. I didn't, unfortunately. Um, rather too up-to-dated presents uh, I got. Nothing 90s football related probably because my office is just full of them already i think my poor wife would struggle to get me something so random or is probably fed up with the amount of 90 stuff that's in my office right now but uh yes as it's 2016 it's our first pod and is the first pod uh, as we must start as well some really sad news and um, we express our condolences to the friends and family of pavel sanicek who sadly passed away over christmas um, who we actually spoke to just a week before he had his uh, cardiac arrest which led to his sad passing so our thoughts go out to Pav because that's such sad news he was great uh, on the podcast you can listen to that go back on iTunes or on the website listen to the interview we did with him just literally a few weeks ago so very very sad news over Christmas Um, but on to tonight though as it was FA Cup third round week this past weekend we thought it'd be perfect timing to look back at some memorable FA Cup moments from the 1990s with my guests today Uh, we'll be chatting to those guys in a moment but before we do here's the housework as always you can follow us on Twitter and on Facebook at AK90s where you're for You'll find lots of 90s goodness every day. And to make sure you get your 90s football fix every week, you can listen to us on SoundCloud or subscribe on iTunes, where the pod can pop directly into your device every week without you doing a thing. Just hit that subscribe button and there it will be every week full of 90s goodness. Um, So while you're there as well, it'll be bloody brilliant of you to drop a five-star rating too as your podcast of pleasure and football's 90 nostalgia trip. So that'd be a great help to us. If you do enjoy the pod, give us a five-star rating and even drop a review because and tell everyone how brilliant you've enjoyed the podcast from 2015 and as we go forward into the new year so we can't kick off 2016 without one of our regular voices so it's a welcome back fresh off his new role at itv and giddy about being top of the championship as well borough fan mr joel young welcome oh very very happy i think we're still four points clear in a game in hand aren't we that's sexy talk where i come from (laughs) shining brightly at the top of the league yes indeed, that's indeed. far too modern for us and also if we have for the first timers we have from Talksport and formerly of shoot magazine which is very much in our 90s era and luton fan ian cruz welcome to the show hello guys how you doing all good thank you very much um so that's here's a few things before we kick off that happened in the 90s this week uh on the 13th of january 1993 Bolton, then a second division team, win their FA Cup replay 2-0 Anfield, which we'll be speaking about in just a bit. On the same day in 1995, John Hartson leaves Luton in a £2.5 million deal to Arsenal, which was then a record deal for a teenager. On the 14th of January 1997, Kenny Dalglish replaces Kevin Keegan as manager in Newcastle. On 15th of January 1999, Terry Venables leaves Crystal Palace after just six months in charge. And on the 17th of January 1998, Newcastle's Mary Spire scores a last-minute winner against Bolton and promptly goes mental in his celebration by kicking the advertising balls, which is one of the funniest celebrations that I've ever remembered. But as we've got a newbie on the line, uh, we will talk CV. So what we normally do for new guys on here, we ask them a couple of questions uh, just on their 90s. So as a Luton Town fan, we'll talk about the cut run in just a bit. But just overall, uh, Ian, who was your favourite Luton player of the 90s? Uh, it would probably... I'd probably have to say Mick Harford, Ash, mm. to be fair. Uh, I mean, he was more synonymous with the mid to late 80s, uh, but he did have a second spell uh, with Luton in about 91, 92, I think it was. Came back, made his debut as a substitute against Oldham at Kenworth Road, uh, scored twice in that game, including a last-minute overhead kick to win it, uh, and also scored that... 
famous headed own goal while playing for Derby mm. against Luton, which helped keep Luton up in 91. Uh, an own goal he later admitted was entirely deliberate. So uh, he he is a cult hero at Luton and always will be. Mm. Uh, mem- memories of Keith Yarrow as, uh, as a manager. Yeah, always a, a fearsome figure, Mick Harford, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah you uh, I think it would be fair to say you knew you were in for a battle if you were playing against yeah. him. Uh, it was a it was a very very different game in those days. You could get away with an awful lot more, uh, and I think it was just a, a a battle between him and whoever he was up against as to which one would elbow the other one first and leave their mark, and and that was how it was. Uh, but he certainly wore his heart on his sleeve, and he was a, he was a much better footballer than people gave him credit for as well obviously he's remembered as being a hard man but he was a fantastic footballer as well and outside of Kenilworth Road who would be your pick for player of the 1990s oh probably Gaza mate um you know he was I mean obviously Italian 90s uh has a special place in all our hearts anyone who's a who's sort of I was 21 mm-hmm. in 1990 and will never forget that tournament and for a couple of years um around that time I mean that 1991 cut run for Spurs he basically took them to Wembley single-handed uh he could do things on a football pitch that few other people were capable of and were it not for injuries and obviously one or two self-inflicted issues uh he would be remembered as one of the genuine all-time greats yeah I'm not sure if you listened but we did our team in the 90s podcast uh just before Christmas um and he actually wasn't in the team which was much really discussed which yeah. uh, joe was on the show as well and as a borough fan he got far too much say uh, but, <laughs> well yeah. all, I, all i said is he played for us from 1997 to 1999 and had one good game that was all i said <laughs> yeah you, it'd be, you certainly didn't get the best out of him uh, there's no doubt about that but i mean the, you know that period at, at spurs in the early 90s and the period he had at, at rangers as well um okay you know Scottish football being what it is, it's not as competitive as as the Premier League down here. But you know, for for a while, he basically he basically ran Scottish football on his own as well. Uh, and the guy was the guy was an absolute genius. What he could do with the football. Mm. We'll no put Penny Gazza for the minute because we'll speak firstly in a moment about Tottenham's cut run in '91. But obviously, Joe, we've had you on a few times, so we've kind of exhausted most of the CV. But what I wanted to ask you, as it's an FA Cup themed show, is mm-hmm. As it's FA Cup, do you have a different feeling or view of it now than you did in the 90s as a Borough fan? It's funny. Um, I, I tweeted the other day, you know, I, I think now Cup weekends for me are, are second only in the I don't care stakes to international weekends. <laughs> you yeah. know, whereas, whereas before, you know, the be all and end all. But, but now it, I just thought, well, um, it's not the league. You know, that's, I think that's and obviously Borough went out with the Cup of the weekend. <laughs> And the, everybody I talked to didn't care. Yeah, they were just they were just fine with it. It didn't matter, even even though it was one of our rivals. I just think it had a lot more spice and interest. Um, you know, up to up till probably the year that Manchester United didn't didn't yeah. go in. I think that was probably a real big nail in the coffin of the cup. I think you know you'd still want to win it, but it used to be streets ahead of the League Cup, and now I think it's probably about the same level. Yeah, I mean, as a QPR fan, he's won two cup, FA Cup games in 15 years. You can tell how much I kind of love the competition. I mean, I'd love to see a cup run. Is it the same for you as well, Ian? As a, I mean, obviously, a Luton fan, you've kind of had different experiences of the cup with being in the lower leagues in more recent times. But do you have a different view of it as you did now than you did back in the, the 90s? Uh, yeah, I think you'd have to really. I mean, you know, back in the back in the late eighties and the the early nineties, you know, Luton had well, they did. You know, we went to Wembley, I think, five times in four years or something. We had opportunities to win these competitions. You know, we obviously we're going to talk about the cup run. We reached semi finals in ninety four, the semi finals in eighty five, 
the idea that we'd ever do that now is, you know, complete complete nonsense, really. I mean, we had, we've had a couple of decent runs. We've had a couple of good games against Liverpool in fairly recent memory. We beat Norwich, obviously, uh, a couple of years ago when we were in the conference, the, the first non-league side to beat a top-flight side since Sutton beat Coventry, I think, in 89. So mm. there have been, been some great moments, but they are they are fewer and farther between. And to be honest, for a club like Luton, the state that they're at now, it's all about can we get to the third round? Can we get a decent tie? Yeah. Can we be on the telly? You know, can we perhaps get into the fourth or fifth round? And, and that is that is it. It's all about making money and raising the exposure a little bit. That, that's kind of that's kind of the be-all and end-all for us. And I think, you know, the FA Cup has certainly lost some of its luster. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, Premier League teams fielding weakened sides even yeah. against each other. We look at Leicester played Spurs, a third round weekend. Um, sorry, Spurs played Leicester, obviously. And both made six or seven changes. It's yeah. bound to dilute the tournament. There's no other, there's no, you know, there's no doubt about it. It has to. Yeah, it's a shame. Well, let's go back to the 90s then and remember when the competition was revered in more positive light. Well, not that it's negative, but as you say, probably more exciting back in the 90s. And we've we've kind of split up into early 90s, mid-90s and late. So a few things that happened in kind of the early 90s, and we're all kind of neutrals with this. But the one I always really remember um, is the Wrexham Arsenal result, because at the time, you you know, you didn't see many teams in the, I think Wrexham were a third tier team at the time probably fourth tier team at the time i think um, i think they were 92nd yeah exactly i think they were absolutely yeah, rock bottom, rock bottom of the football league uh and I, I don't i couldn't tell you exactly where arsenal were but somewhere they were, in the they top, were champions weren't they, they somewhere were in the top four yeah. i imagine at that point and yeah it was an it was a massive shock huge huge shock um part and part of the reason for those things and one of the reasons that these big upsets are more more increasingly less likely is uh let's use the phrase the pitch was a great leveler yeah. back in those days and mm-hmm. there's no doubt about it if, I, if memory serves me right that that pitch at Wrexham was, a, was yeah. a mud bath yeah so you know it's not gonna help. it doesn't help the big teams it never did uh but now everybody plays on a carpet so it's not the same yeah although Eastleigh was pretty bad at the weekend but I remember um Mickey Thomas's goal that was the free kick the winner wasn't it Joe that was the free kick yeah, yeah. What, what do you remember about that game uh, it's just one of those, you know, one of the almighty shocks. I think was it ninety one, ninety two season. Have we have we said about that? Yeah, yeah. Um, just incredible, massive shock. I mean, again, you you can't get enough hyperbole out about it. I think one of the greatest FA Cup giant killings of all time. Uh, I think Arsenal had only lost one league game that season. I think, and and Wrexham were rock bottom, as I remember. Um, and just absolute one of them, you know. I think that you don't expect those sort of those sort of games. But as you said, the pitch, mud bath. Mickey Thomas steps up, you know, his last great shout before I think he uh, he got nicked for uh, counterfeit money. <laughs> uh, allegedly, <laughs> allegedly. I was no, he, say he, that, went, yeah. he went. He went. He went to jail for that. Didn't he, he did go to jail for that. Yes. Yeah, he did go. There's no allegedly about this. <laughs> can allow that then. I think the only thing I would compare it to would be Bradford Chelsea last season. But yeah, but. Even then, the pit and the pitch was perfect then. But yeah, that that was a big shock. A name from the same season as well, and is a name that I love because it's so nineties. And when I mentioned it to a friend of the show, Paddy O'Sullivan, over the weekend, he uh, had a real smile on his face. That Tim Bazaglo of uh, Woking, I think it yeah. was. Oh, it was Woking. Yeah, became mm. an overnight sensation after they uh, knocked them out the FA of uh, West Brom, wasn't they? Knocked out in the third round. West but, uh, Brom. Yeah, that's a proper FA Cup story, isn't it? Ian? Yeah, I mean, it was it was four two, wasn't it? He scored yeah. all four goals. Yeah. Is that right? If memory serves me right, this is a lo- this is a long time ago. Actually, this I is good. this is <laughs> very very Delve very deep good knowledge. into the dark recesses of my mind. I can barely remember last week, let alone twenty five years ago. <laughs> and the name um, but yeah, I mean, it was yeah. you know, it was it was one of those. 
fantastic FA Cup stories. You know, every time people talk about uh, FA Cup folklore and cult heroes and whatnot, Tim Bazaglo's name is mentioned. Uh, and, you know, he will be remembered for, for years and years and years. He's, he's, the, he's the Ronnie Radford of the, the 1990s almost. Yeah. Um, you know, that was, that, that was akin to that kind of thing. And to score four goals, obviously, was a phenomenal personal achievement. I imagine it was his career highlight. I couldn't, if I'm on hand well, I couldn't tell you what he did much after that. Tim, he was also a cricketer. Oh, was he? All rounder. Yeah, yeah. He played cricket for, uh, well, you know, only Gibraltar. But I remember, I just remember that sticking in my head at the time. Yeah, that he went, that he went. I think he played in like the ICC trophy or something like that. You know, some some competition. But yeah, he definitely played cricket. Anyone Good knowledge. What, I'm impressed with that. Do you know what he's doing now? Uh, I don't. Estate agent. I bet he's got <laughs> brilliant. You know, tell walking around the houses. Yeah, you know, <laughs> drop in Woking and West Brom. I bet that gets mentioned a few times. <laughs> yeah, proper. Yeah, uh, part-time sure. footballers as well. That was that was a brilliant memory from the early nineties. And uh, we meant as we talked about Gaza. Uh, a few moments ago. I mean, the, the early 90s, especially that 91 cup run, is remembered for him. I remember the games against it was Oxford and Knox County. That whole year was kind of Gazza until the, the sad end of the story. I mean, Ian, you said he's your player of the 90s. That was kind of that season was Gazza at its peak, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was phenomenal, wasn't it? I mean, it was off, off the back of... That, well, yeah, it was 1991, but 1990-91 yeah. season. So it was off the back of um, the World Cup, you know, and the whole the whole nation took into their hearts we all know what happened the, the, the tears and the the yellow card and it was it was just a you know off, that was a phenomenal tournament that was a sea change for for the game in this country in, in so many different ways and and Gaza was the epitome of that he was he was a you know the class clown he was everybody's everybody's second favorite player after whoever their own mm. particular hero was and yeah that that season I mean I remember that you mentioned the game against Oxford there and you know he was just sensational in that game I mean absolutely phenomenal he, he dragged Spurs as I say almost single-handed I mean they had some decent players obviously Lineker was in the team Gary Mabber but he was so so much the linchpin of that side he did so much during that cut run to get them to Wembley and obviously you know we all know what happened there the, the occasion got to him um, he was more like a, a raving lunatic than a yeah you know than a super footballer and you know that that was that really that game was pretty much the beginning of the end for Paul Gascoigne. and he was never really the same after that. Mm. There was the famous line in Fever Pitch, of course. There you go. There's one for your 90s football bingo. Fever yeah. Pitch. Yeah, brilliant. Book, book and film, yeah. <laughs> um, th- there's the line where Nick Hornby says in that, that Gascoigne's goal against Arsenal, I think, in the semi, mm. um, is one of the most remarkable things he'd ever seen in his life, but he wished with all his heart that it had never happened, which I kind of think sums up football in general, doesn't yeah. it, whenever yeah. somebody, a, a, a brilliant member of the opposition, tears you apart like that. Mm. The Absolutely. Last, the last I'm going to mention of this section, I'm going to go to Joel. I'm sorry because it's one of your rivals, um, which okay. is Sunderland's sort of uh, 92 run, but they went all the way to the final, which was then as a second division team and kind of unheard of, especially in the, in that decade. Did you appreciate that as a as a Middlesbrough fan? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, not at all. I mean, well, I appreciated Liverpool winning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that, that was good. But uh, no, we never, we never want Sunderland. You know, I laughed when Newcastle lost. Was it? Did they get to two of them in the late nineties? Yeah, uh, yeah laughed all, yeah. laughed all the way. Just as quite rightfully, Sunderland and Newcastle laughed at Middlesbrough when we got beaten in ninety-seven. But we'll talk about that later on. I'm sure. Well, speaking of Sunderland, we are going to move on to our guest today because he was from that Sunderland team and is a player that scored in every round bar the final uh, during that. Can do you remember the name? Oh, I don't. John Byrne. That's who we're going to speak oh, to. Oh, yes. Yeah, striker John Byrne scored in every round 
for second division Sunderland. Here he is talking to us. Hi, John. Welcome to Alive and Kicking. Hi, Rashi. How you doing, mate? I'm good, yeah, mate. Thanks, thank uh, you very thanks much. For inviting me. Thanks for inviting me on. It's no good. worries. No, it's good to talk to you. We're talking FA Cups this, this uh, week, so it's good to speak to you because you've got quite a, a record and folklore in the FA Cup. We go back to the 90s. Uh, with Sunderland, so let's go because you're at Brighton first in United. But how did the move to Sunderland uh, come about in those early days? Uh, well, I think Brighton. I mean, if you, if you, I don't know if you remember the story, but I think Brighton was struggling financially, and um, you know I'd gone there about a year earlier uh, from from La Havre in France, and we'd had a good season. But Danny Smith, my old manager from York City um, in the early eighties. I was manager at Sunderland. He tried to find me about two or three times uh, um, while he was at Sunderland. Once when I was at QPR, once when I was at France. And then, you know, he came back in for us uh, when I was at Brighton. When Brighton was struggling financially. And, you know, well, unfortunately for, you know, um, like I say, unfortunately, well, not unfortunate for me because, you know, we went on to some great things uh, at Sunderland in the FA Cup. But, Brighton had to sell me, and they also had to sell my strike partner, Mike Small, as well. Mm. He went to West Ham, and I went to Tumbling. And, um, you know, I, I, as I say, I love my time at Brighton, but um, going to Sunderland, massive big club like that, um, you know, and getting involved in the cup and that we went on, it was, it, it was just the most unbelievable at times. Mm. Let's talk about the cut run. I mean, even before, you know, when the third round starts, it's, as a footballer, how big a day... For you, is that always like third round weekend? Um, well, third round, you, you, you're a million miles away from an FA Cup final. Um, I remember we played Port Vale, I think, mm. in the third round. Um, so, yeah, so it was, it was a game we were expected to win, I think. Um, and it was, yeah, it was probably a pretty straightforward victory. I think I scored in that. I, I, well, I know I scored because I remember I scored. I was actually laying on the floor and getting uh, kicked it in. <laughs> um, I can see it now. So, um, but yeah, yeah, you know, it's one of those things. You, you when you get through the third round, you're still not even contemplating, um, you know, the FA Cup finals. I mean, you never even contemplate them, anyone. You know, that sort of, that sort of stuff seems to happen to other people and. Um, and not us sort of thing. So, um, yeah, we, we were just happy to get through, really. Mm. So you scored again in the next round against Oxford. Then you played West Ham, which was probably the, the toughest game so far. Did, would, even then, was it starting to feel like a cut round might happen? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, the, the game at Oxford was, um, was an interesting one. Because we played Oxford in the league um, probably about... Well, you know, going back probably about four or five weeks early, and we were mm. awful. We got hammered by Oxford. I think it was about three 0 or something. And I think Dennis was Dennis Smith was still manager then, and that he, he actually got the sack. Um, and it was Malcolm Crosby who came in and was caretaker manager on the cup run. So um, going back to Oxford after we played so badly there, and you know we played so well on the night there, I scored and uh, made one, I think. Um, you know, so we knew we were improving, um, and yeah, you just felt maybe then a, a little cut run was on the cars because we had West Ham at home in that game mm. in the in the first match, and you know I scored again and managed to get on the end, and it was, it was ironic Mike Small scored for West Ham, um, who Brighton had sold both of us. Oh, um, right. Yeah, so Smalley scored, he scored a penalty at one end, and I scored for someone. Then obviously, like you know, we not beating them at Roker Park where we've, we've probably had our chances and thinking we're going to go back down to West Ham you're probably thinking well 
that's probably it now because I think West Ham were in the top the top division where they are. They were in the top remember, aren't they? Yeah, they were in the top division at the time. So, you know, really, I think most people expected us to go down there and get turned over. But, uh, you know, it didn't turn out that way. We went down there and it was a night game and we were we were fantastic. We, we really deserved to win. Um, and it was a cracking game, if I, mm. can, if I can remember. Great atmosphere under the lights at Upson Park. You know, it doesn't... Well, it does get better. There's better places to go, but Upton Park, you know, when it's it's rocking like that, is uh, it's a fantastic atmosphere. Mm. And then it was on to Chelsea as well, and which I, I quite remember quite vividly. That was quite a big game at the time because um, yeah. they were the Chelsea of today, but they were still a, a club that you probably wouldn't expect it to be. But again, it went to replay and another another entertaining affair. Well, that's right. Yeah, because I mean, I think I, I think the, the the first game, the Chelsea game, was a Monday night match. If it was right. Right. I think it was. A, I think it was. I think it was an evening game. Anyway, um, it wasn't a, a Saturday afternoon match. Put it that way, you know. And um, it was an awful pitch as Stamford Bridge used to be in those days. I remember playing at Stamford Bridge, and it many a time and it was uh, you know it was heavy and it caught up pretty quickly I mean it's not like that now obviously and you know it was in the old days where you had the the, the running the, you know the speedway trap around the pitch mm. and the yeah. fans are a million miles away from you um, but yeah I mean you know we were we looked as though we were heading 50 feet in that game and I don't know uh, where it came from but I managed to score a, a header which was you know I wasn't well known for and it was it was a funny header because it was quite a long way out and it it sort of I got some contact on it but it it, it, it sort of went in in slow motion and um, as I say you know that took it back to two all um, and the, the replay yeah I mean the replay was uh, was 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 incredible really it was um, I mean there's a bit of a I mean I don't know I don't want to bore you with it if, no go ahead we like hearing it. There was a bit. There was a bit of a story for the the replay game. I mean, we'd we uh, I think about a week earlier there was there was a, a Sunderland fan, and we uh, he was he was he was he was terminally ill, and we went round to see him in his house, and uh, unfortunately he passed away. There was a few as when Don Goodman and Sam Rogan, and um, the the morning of the the Chelsea game, we went to. Um, we went to we we had a we had a sort of uh, a, a light training session on the morning of that. When we got back to to um, Roker Park, um, Eddie, I second Eddie, but he was like uh, attached to the club. But he said the the fellow we'd been to see had passed away, and mm. his family were spreading his ashes, you know, in the in the goal mouth down at the uh, one end of the pitch. And could we go down there and um, you know and and basically you know sort of stand there with his family while uh, you know they were spreading the ashes a, a little bit so so obviously we went down there and um, it was it was as bizarre it was one of the most bizarre uh, things I've ever seen because you know this fella Eddie he started spreading the ashes and as you know Roker Park is um, you know it's one of the windiest places on the planet wasn't it and <laughs> yeah. as he's getting, well you can guess what's happening now yeah. and as he's going across the, the, the 18 yard box Eddie's the, the ashes are nowhere near the pitch. Eddie's smothered in them, and um, as I say, you know, it was you didn't know ever to laugh or to the grout to swallow up. 
But anyway, we forgot about that, and we got into the game in the in the evening, and um, it was it was a funny old game. I think it was two one up, and it was sort of heading to. Um, it, no, it was, no, we got two one up, and Chelsea came back into it, and. I think Dennis Wise scored, and there must have been about six minutes to go, and we were dead on our feet. And if he went to extra time, I'd have told you that Chelsea would have won that game. Mm. Um, but in that penalty area where the Ashes were spread that day, <laughs> I tell you no lie, Gordon Armstrong appeared from nowhere and um, fired in the header to take us through, you know, with about three or four minutes to go. Um, and it was funny because it was one of those. Days where Chelsea hadn't put anyone on the post, so I don't know whether there was some divine intervention yeah. that day from somewhere. But, but if it had gone to extra time, we we would definitely have got beat because I think we were dead on our dead on our feet basically. Mm, well, and great celebrations day. after great celebrations after the game. I can imagine. Because, can imagine. Um, well, well, all the fans ran on the pitch, and um, I'll never mm. forget because I come in. And I was covered in blood on my face. Uh, a, a Sunderland fan had run on the pitch and he had a baseball cap and he gave me a hug and the the rim of his baseball cap split my nose. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, split my nose in, in two. So I come in and all the lads thought I'd been attacked by somebody out there. But I said, no. I said, it was just it was just somebody deliriously happy with a baseball cap. <laughs> so, well, um, injury. Well, exactly. So, nah, but... Oh, it was a brilliant night. It was fantastic. Yeah. And I think, oh, God, the party, yeah. We went out in Sunderland after and um, it, well, we were treated like heroes. It was fantastic. Great times. And for you as well. So you'd scored in every round at that point and so on to the semi-final, which was at Hillsborough, wasn't it, I believe? The semi-final. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So yeah. Would you feel pressure on yourself to, to keep that run going as well no, as the really. pressure of a no, semi-final? No, not really. No, not really. Not really. Not at all, to be honest. And I think back. No, because I think, like, you know, we were just on a roller coaster and it was a team effort. Mm. You know, I mean, I know that's an old cliche, but it, it really was and there was a good... There was a good team spirit in that dressing room, and it didn't matter who scored the goals. I mean, it was just for you know, for me uh, personally, it was you know unfortunate that I was getting on the end of things. Um, but no, I mean, with the only thing on your mind when you get into the FA Cup semi-final is to win it. It's not about yeah. scoring a goal and keeping your personal run going. I can honestly, I can assure you. Mm. Um, must have been nice anyway <laughs> well it's probably one of the easiest goals I've ever scored really I mean if you can remember I think it was a header from about three yards out um, I think the ball had got played up he held it up played it wide and I think Brian and then drifted into the box and you know Brian Atkinson I think it was who crossed it um, or Rushy was it I can't remember anyway it was Akraki or Rushy one of them um, they crossed it and that is the simplest task of adding it in I mean the biggest problem with that though, is you look, I think it must have been about after about 20 minutes or so and I tell you what that clock at Hillsborough took a life <laughs> to go round yeah. it and it's like you just kept looking at it and you're thinking it can't be talking I mean, we, we were under the clock and you remember that Norwich side at the time was the one that went to of course um, we, and we, yeah was it, was it Bayern Munich? Yeah. Or, yeah. Finished third. Yeah, and, you know. That's right. You know, that was, a, that was a, a really good Norwich City side. You know, and we played, we played well again in that day. You know, we thought, I think we thoroughly deserved it. And again, you know, uh, mayhem after the game. You know, I mean, one of the things I, I, I mean, I know this on the past, it was an amazing thing to get to Wembley and it was a Hillsborough semi-final everything, but, 
you know, because we invaded the pitch, we got, we all had to go off, you know, and it would have been great to have milked it for a little bit longer mm. out there mm. and, you know, and gone round the pitch and the Sunderland fans, but, you know, it was, it was just a wonderful day. I mean, again, an old cliche to say, you know, as a kid, you were brought up watching the FA Cup, but to win in a semi-final, I don't think it's probably, well, there's got to be a better feeling winning the final course for us, but, you know, if you win, win the semi-final, you know you're going to Wembley, you know yeah. what I mean? Well, let's quickly finish up with Wembley then. And obviously the result what didn't go your way, but just to play in an FA Cup final as a second division team as well, what was that like? Yeah, it was good. It was good. It was good. It was good. It was, you know, I don't want to say it's a bit of an anti-climax because we lost. You know, there's always that tinge of we got beat on the day and it was disappointing. But we were, we were up against a, a Liverpool side who were... It was, you know, good. You know, some great players in that team. Uh, it was always going to be difficult. We knew that. We knew we were going to have to take our chances. And unfortunately, I didn't. I missed a, a really, really good chance uh, in the 13th minute, 20th second. Um, something on. <laughs> I know it's at the exact moment. Yeah. I can see it now. And it's just one of those things. And, uh, you know, the number of times... Uh, I go through my mind and think that I get a good connection on it. It flies past Grobbler into the net and I run round the corner flag celebrating, but unfortunately it doesn't happen. But it, yeah, whole thing was a, a great experience. And the ironic thing, I mean, we, I don't know if you heard the story of when we, we were walking, trudging round the pitch after the game, despondent, disappointed, whatever you want to say. And, um, the, the Duchess of Kent, I think it was, who did the medals out. She gave us all the winners' medals instead of the losers. <laughs> so we were going to try, we were going to try and make a run for it with them, but um, yeah. the uh, the FA officials very quickly, as we got into the tunnel, um, took them off us and <laughs> swapped them back. But yeah, really bizarre sort of. Uh, uh, f- uh, finale to it all. That's, really. a, that's a big time. You had one job to do, and she did that completely wrong. <laughs> well, that's right. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. There you go. but at least they had a winners' medal for about twenty-five minutes. So that was alright. <laughs> yeah. Before you go, I would like to ask you. I mean, the FA Cup. Do you think it's lost some of its magic in, in 2016? Whereas, for me, I think it felt bigger in the 90s. And as a player, do you do you feel the same? Um, it's a good question. But I think I think the early rounds, the magic's still there. Of course, it is. Mm. You know, I think you watch the Eastley game on, uh, against uh, Bolton. You know, the Magic, that's the, the Magic Cup and the Wickham and Aston Villas and the game on Friday. Was it Friday? Was, Exeter and um, Liverpool, yeah. Exeter and Liverpool, that's what the FA Cup's about. Mm. You know, the, 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 he hasn't lost his Magic in, in those early rounds. I think when you get towards the final, I think, yeah, the Magic's gone a little bit because it's not... The big club's priority anymore, is it? Yeah. You know, the priority is to stay in the in the Premier League where the money is. Uh, so it, it certainly has, you know, lost some of its magic. But I think, you know, for me, the the early rounds and you know where the non-league sides or the lower sides are playing the big side, the, the magic of the cup's still very much alive. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for talking to us, John. That's all right. Absolutely. Brilliant stuff from John there. Some great memories as well and a great cup run. I must say, because I should have said this at the start, but we're not talking about the finals tonight. We're going to leave that to uh, a podcast in the future when it's kind of FA Cup final time. So we're we're not leaving them out on purpose. So we will speak to them uh, later in the season. So let's move on to mid-90s then. And we'll, we'll turn to Ian then, because one of the reasons we did have him on <coughs> tonight is to talk about uh, Luton Town's run to 
So unlikely, I think it's fair to say, unlikely run to the cup uh, semi-finals in 1994. Uh, the name Scott Oakes will kind of ring a few bells in people's minds because he was one of the heroes of that campaign. Tell us about what you remember from that kind of run, Ian. Yeah, I mean, he sure, Scott Oakes certainly was. I mean, he scored. I think he scored, he scored five goals in in that cup run, including obviously the the hat trick in the quarter final replay, which we'll we'll get to shortly, I'm sure. But um, I mean, it all the the real, you know, the the, the initial the first hero was. Uh, a young chap by the name of Tony Thorpe, um, who Mate, was nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was nineteen, <clears throat> making his full debut uh, at Newcastle um, in the fourth round, uh, and he scored the the goal that earned Luton a one-all draw uh, and kept kept them in. You know, everyone assumed they would go out at Newcastle. Luton were struggling in the second tier at the time, uh, and from then on, they never, you know, they never really looked back. They won the replay. 2-0 at home uh, against Newcastle. A very young John Hartson yep. with the first goal. Ginger Curtis, uh, uh, if I remember rightly, wasn't it? Yeah, he did yes. indeed. Yeah. <laughs> Proper nice uh, haircut. Yeah. Long, long ball, flicked it round Mike Hooper, who came charging out of his goal for some reason known only to him. Uh, that was the first goal. Scott Oates got the second. Uh, beat Cardiff in the fifth round away. Drew 0-0 at West Ham uh, in the quarterfinal. And then that famous night down at Kenilworth Road under the lights... 13, just over 13,000 people in that old, rickety old ground. The place was jumping and, yeah, a hero was born, Scott Oakes, with uh, a memorable hat-trick. They were, you know, they were just incredible times, absolutely incredible. When you're on a run like that, I mean, how, when do you start thinking, hang on, we, we, could, we could be on a good, you know, we could be looking at Wembley. Where, at what point? Because as a QPR fan, I've never had it. So <laughs> when, you know, during that run, was there a feeling that this could be special? I think after... After beating Newcastle in that replay, you sort of they and they they were they were playing well. They were they played really well in that competition. I mean, it completely made a mockery of of their league form. They weren't they weren't pulling up any trees um, in the league. Um, and those there's something very very you know we all we all feel our own personal grounds are special on these occasions. But there is some mm-hmm. there was something very special about Kenilworth Road at night. In those days, it's a, I mean, you know, I'm sure m- many people listening to this have been there. It's a tiny, compact little ground, proper old school football stadium. And when the lights are on and the crowd are right on top of you, it is an, it is an intense atmosphere down there. And I think that night people started to think, wow, something something could be going on. It Cardiff away in the fifth round is a very, very difficult. That's a terribly difficult place to go. But I think we were confident that we'd... We'd, we'd win there as well. Um, their fans were particularly welcoming that day, tear gassing the away support. So thank, thanks for that, lads. Yeah, that's um, the 90s for you. Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, like I said, I mean, that, that, that whole West, both games against West Ham, you know, to, to get a nil-nil at Upton Park in front of almost 30,000 again when you're expected to get beat. Uh, and then that, that amazing night, uh, Kenneth Road, you know, we were one nil down relatively early on, if I remember rightly, Martin Allen scored, if memory serves. Um, and to come back and win, win 3-2 was, I mean, it was just, it was just phenomenal. Absolutely fantastic. The only disappointment was then the semi-final against mm. Chelsea uh, at Wembley. Um, and I think if you talk to Luton players now, they probably all admit they just, they really didn't do themselves justice that day. Didn't really turn up. Got beat 2-0. And that was, that was all they deserved. Really. It, was just, it was a shame that it ended the way it did, but, Still an absolutely, you know, an absolutely fantastic, fantastic season, never to be forgotten. Do you think the occasion got to them in the semi-final? 
Possibly, I think I have a you know I have a genuine belief that the semi-finals shouldn't be played at Wembley. Oh, well said. Yeah. Um, we say that a lot. Yeah, this yeah, well, that, absolutely. Yeah. The, the final is supposed to be you know the final is the, the re- part of the reward of getting to the final yeah. is playing at Wembley. Hundred uh, percent. I think it's diluted by playing the semis at Wembley. I think it's completely unnecessary, uh, and I think it probably did. I think the the, the achievement of reaching Wembley, albeit <laughs> one game early, if you like. Did probably did probably get. I mean, Chelsea were a decent side at the time, uh, and you know they fully they fully deserved to win. But I think I think part of the fact was, yeah, they just thought this is our this is this really is our cup final. Uh, when of course it really wasn't. But there you go. Yeah, great great memories uh, of of that era as well. There were great uh, wins. We mentioned Bolton already uh, as a giant killing over both Arsenal and uh, Liverpool in that era, and also friend of the podcast Rob Gallagher. His Mill team beat Arsenal and Chelsea before they were knocked out by QPR, which I like to mention quite a lot on here. <laughs> but we'll move on to, to the late nineties and talk ninety seven and, and Joel. Now um, I know you've got plenty of stories for oh, us yes. on, on this cut run. We've, we mean we talked about it a few times on this podcast, especially that we've got quite late in before mentioning Janino, but we've uh, mentioned we... his missing header in the semi final. <laughs> <laughs> but go on, as uh, we, as Ian has just discussed, I mean. Talk us through, I mean, some, some memories from, from 1997. Before we get to the greatest game of football in the history of the world, you mean, <laughs> in, the, in the semi-final. Um, I always felt, and, and, and I think, you know, Borough, Borough that year was such a strange team in that we could beat anybody and happily get beat by anybody. You know, there was absolutely no consistency in the side. But... I think most Borough fans sort of had it in the head that we were going to get some kind of cup run, and we ended up getting two that year. We got to Wembley twice, of course, and relegated, but we'll forget about that. But I think, I think we walloped Chester six nil in the in the third round, and I think that sort of got everybody excited. You know, it's the kind of excitement that you don't particularly get in the um, FA Cup now. But we were kind of we starved of anything. You know, we've only ever won one trophy in our life, so um, I think that sort of got things going. I remember that we had a tricky game away at Hensford. Um, and I, I remember it being sort of disputed finish. I might be wrong about this. I remember Jan Fjordov scoring. It might have been his, uh, one of his final ever goals for the club and him sort of running off, ripping his shirt off and pointing at his number, um, which, was qu- which was quite strange. But the game, obviously, where we thought we were going to do something is when we beat Derby in the quarterfinals. And yeah. then all of a sudden, you're getting, you know, you're either getting Wimbledon, you, you want to avoid Chelsea with all your heart, but you're getting either Wimbledon or Chesterfield, and and we kind of thought if we were kept away from Chelsea, then we would definitely get into, definitely get into Wembley. And it, 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 Ravinelli was crazy in that, you know, he, he just wanted to win something. Janino battling with all his heart, and then we got to Old Trafford for the craziest game of football <laughs> ever, ever, ever. Um, you know, uh, Kinder gets sent off. We're one nil up. Kinder gets sent off. Um, they sail into a, a, a three-one lead and then have the goal disallowed. Uh, <laughs> the goal, been, yeah. Which Pro- you know properly robbed. Properly, absolutely. It's, I think it's why Sean Dyche still likes to have a little pop at Borough now and again <laughs> because he was in that Chesterfield side and he he, he can't resist a little pop now and again. And you know what? If I was him, I'd be exactly the same. Because he looked was... the same as well. I saw a picture of him from that game when I was researching it earlier. He hasn't changed much, though. No, Ginger Mourinho, no, no, is he? Just, just looks like just looks like who he is. Yeah. I mean, I think was it was it you saying to me before Ash that in in David Ellery's book he still stands by the decision to disallow. Yeah, him? yeah. <laughs> 
yeah absolutely well done david yeah yeah um and then you know as we've talked about before the Janino diving header and uh, and all that silly uh, silliness sorry to go to um to go three two up sorry Chesapeake were leading us two one to then and then they should have gone three one up um and then they score in the last minute the craziest game of football um ever 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 um i think you know and then replay we just demolished them um there was always hope. We won't talk about the final, but we always thought there was going to be hope because it had been such a flaming disaster um, all season. Obviously, we we lost the uh, League Cup in a replay at Hillsborough. Um, we got relegated the week before at Leeds, of all places, which is mm. just like a knife in the heart. Yeah. And the made Janino cry. I know. You blamed Brian Dean on our first episode of that, I didn't did, you? I did, yeah. I was right, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, we, we, go, we go to Wembley. I've never heard noise like it. To this day, I have never heard noise like it. Is um, I think I think it, Prince Charles might have been there. That's just off the top of my head, uh, my remembrances. Um, but co- coming out to get introduced to the sides and the Borough fans were making that much noise, screaming three points, three points, three points, three points. That Nigel Pearson, who was our captain at the time, had to come over at the Borough end and tell everybody to chill out because it, they were just getting. I've never seen that in my life. A football player telling everybody just calm down, don't shout and scream so much. But the, the noise was just—it was just a wall of incredible noise. Um, and everybody kind of, but yeah, P.O. coming over and telling us to chill and chill and chill. Um, Cliff Richard comes out and sings. And then, you know, we, we, we have a day for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, our day, our day was soon to get even more ruined. Um, you know, we, we had the kickoff. <laughs> yeah. And then um, 27 seconds later. <laughs> yeah. 42 seconds. Oh, sorry. Lewis Saha later on. Yeah. 42 seconds. Um, yeah. We had, it's, Ravinelli was clearly wasn't fit. Shouldn't have been playing in the game, but he was big time Charlie and kind of demanded he had, uh, that he should play Robson. I don't quite know. I, I get why he gambled. Um, but Ravenelli loses possession straight down the other end. Roberto Di Matteo over the, over, over the arms of uh, Ben Roberts in our goal. And what I remember more than anything, 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 is our end, of course, goes silent. And all of Chelsea end are going nuts. And I just remember there was one guy who stood up behind us and just went, Oh, what? <laughs> just summed it up completely, you know, relegated, lost one cup final, and, and now this happens. You know, it was, I think it sort of summed up the year, really. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we, we, I think now looking back on it, you know, it was horrendous at the time and, and sort of driving home in the pelting rain in, you know, a five, six hour drive home or whatever it was. And it was just horrendous. But now I'm just, it was an incredible run. And we saw everything. You know, we saw scrape past non league sides. We saw us, you know, scrape past, I think there were, you know, third, third division at the time sides. Um, you know, the, the teams we beat weren't brilliant teams. I think the only premiership team we built, beat along the way was uh, Derby County. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not sure whether Man City were in the premiership then. The, the may have been. Um, but yeah, we had a relatively easy route, but we conspired to make it difficult for ourselves. And uh, Chelsea sort of proved us wrong. Although we did, again, we had a perfectly reasonable goal disallowed in the final. Um, Gianluca Festa so you know we've probably got our come up and some the Chester, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Ch- the Chesterfield fans were probably very happy about brilliant. that brilliant well just a couple of other points from the late 90s before we uh, towards the end of the show uh, Stevenage and Newcastle was a was a big game I remember that in the was, 90s that was very that was very bitter yeah it was, really, remember, it yeah. was really spiky wasn't it yeah, yeah. <laughs> Was it Chris? Was it Paul Fairclough? Was that the manager at the time? You didn't really get on, and there was lots of where it was meant that, to be paid. And that sounds right. Kenny Dalglish was very 
he said some things, didn't he? I think he was manager yeah. of Newcastle at the time, wasn't he? And this, I think yes. there, there, was, there was there was various dispute about where the game should they were trying. Yeah. Didn't I think they Newcastle were trying to get it back at St James? They yeah. wanted switched, didn't they? That's saying, right. We'll give you the money. You'll That's earn right. much more money. You'll earn much. Yeah. And, and Stevenage were quite rightfully saying, "No, we're not doing that." Well, fans, why should we do that? And it became quite a. I think it went to a replay as well, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Yeah, uh, yeah. it did. Yeah, yeah. So that was one. And and I watched that replay in the middle of the night in a bar in Thailand. Well, you're going to watch Stevenage go. Newcastle. There's probably not met a yeah, better places. Absolutely. Yeah. Our final point I'm going to make about the late '90s. There were two brilliant goals, uh, very memorable. We spoke about them before on here uh, on our goals podcast. But Trevor Sinclair's bicycle kick and David Ginola's uh, kind of Barnsley, kind of Maradona-esque in terms of the way it was went round later players. Um, for you, Ian, what would be the better goal? And bearing in mind, I'm a KPR fan. So go on. <laughs> uh... Ginola's goal, I think. Oh, boo. Yeah, I mean, Sinclair's goal was yeah. was amazing, but I defy him to do that. If he tried it 50 times, it wouldn't he said come he off. He it all the time in training, according yeah, to... Yeah, they, they, always, they always do it all the time in training, don't they? <laughs> um, I mean, again, you know, Ginola at that point, I mean, they, they, they're that amazing. It was just the balance and everything, the poise and, you know, he's doing it. Can he do it on a cold Tuesday night in, in Barnsley? Yes, he can. Yes, he can. You know, <laughs> it, was, it was phenomenal, so... Just while we're talking about goal scorers, I'm going to just bring this up because I know Joel will appreciate this while we're talking. You mentioned earlier, Ash, that uh, John Hartson in the mid-90s was the record transfer of a teenager when he left Luton for Arsenal. The the game when I think we all knew what a special player he was going to be was against Middlesbrough down at Kenilworth Road. And I'm pretty sure Middlesbrough's two central defenders that day were Nigel Pearson and Viv Anderson. So about as experienced as you got. Mm. Hartson bullied the pair of them off the pitch, scored twice, yeah. Luton won five one. Sorry, Joel. And no, I remember that. <laughs> he was he was just phenomenal. And you came away from that game thinking this kid is something very, very special. Yeah, probably uh, never really got a chance at Arsenal. Probably too early for him in his career. No, he, he 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 didn't. Um and it was a shame really because I you know I'm not sure he won't mind me saying it now, but I spoke to him after he uh, the day he left Arsenal to join West Ham and it, it wasn't a movie he particularly wanted to make at the time uh, it turned out well for me in the end obviously the second half of that season him and Paul Kitson yeah. Another combined man and yeah. kept kept West Ham in the in the top flight uh, and obviously he went on you know he was transferred that was a record I think he was I think he was a record buy for West Ham at the time went on to be a record buy for Wimbledon yeah, 7.5 uh, for Wimbledon 7.5 million yeah and then won a shed load of trophies at, at Celtic. Yeah. So in Not hindsight, bad, it was it was it was a decent move. But at the yeah. time, yeah, I think he felt he hadn't really been given the chance at Arsenal, which was a shame because obviously, I think as a as a teenager, it was a dream move. I think that now he probably would have just been loaned out straight yeah. away somewhere Different. else yeah. to go and yeah. get his first team minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, that wasn't necessarily. The, the way it works, you know, lawns happen, but not the way that they work now. <clears throat> no, not at all. That, that's a that's a whole other podcast. The the, the nonsense of the modern loan system. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> <what I'm laughs> we'll try that one out later in the season. But it just remains to say thank you very much, Ian, and thank you very much, Joel, for being on tonight and trip down FA Cup memory lane. My pleasure. Thank you very much. We'll have Thanks for having us back on suit very soon. Uh, next week, I think we'll be talking video games. We know we meant to do that early in the season, but our lineup failed us at the last minute. But hopefully, we'll get the. I was going to say, do, do I have to expect a phone call again? Is that <laughs> yeah, what exactly. That is? You, you, are, you saved us last time, Joel. So hopefully, <laughs> have, we'll have some video game experts on next week, and we'll talk some fun video games in the nineties. But until then, keep it nineties. This podcast is a West Twelve Media and Burble Media production. 